Welcome to the Pre-Accident Podcast. I am your host for today's episode. My name is Todd Conklin. Hey, if you've not joined us, if you're new to this game, and they're telling me there's lots of new people, which is great. Welcome, First of all, welcome aboard. Secondly, every single podcast that's ever been recorded is still up and available and free. So you can always pull those. Uh, I think iTunes has the, the latest, is it 75? I think it's 75. And then they're all on the website, all of them. And a bunch of them are on YouTube, although I should get more on YouTube. That's kind of a big pain in the butt. That's why it takes a long time to do that. Um, but they're all available, and we welcome you. You're welcome and join us in this grand discussion that we're calling this podcast. It's been really fun, that's for sure. Everything is grand and groovy here as October rolls to a nigh. I'm uh, still busy selecting what I should be for Halloween that's always a hard question for me because I just don't know. I know that I have less trick-or-treaters at our house because one year I gave away bacon, which I thought was a really a great Halloween. I wrapped it. It was in paper towel. It, it was great. I would have loved to gotten bacon for um, the kids, not so much. Thank goodness I had some emergency candies available because I'm never very far away from emergency candies. But as uh, you know, as that that excitement gets nearby, that's that's happening, and that's always interesting. What else? God, I don't know. the The year has flown by. It's been a great one. I am so excited um, for the next couple months, just because I really think Thanksgiving's the best holiday ever, and Christmas is super fun. And so I'll have a great time with everybody, friends, family. It's going to be great. It's been a year transition for lots of people. I know that. And I know you guys, some of you guys have had a rough year. And uh, and I know that as well. But uh, hang in there. Uh, just just stay gold, pony boy. Just keep taking one step after the next step after the next step. That's the great thing about being human is that we're incredibly resilient. Human beings are stunningly, almost amazingly, frighteningly resilient. And that's powerful as well. So let's talk about today's podcast because it's a long one. So I should not chat very much uh, and waste your time. We can just jump into it. So I don't know if you know this, um, but Sidney Decker crowdfunded uh, a documentary. And uh, it's out. It's been out a couple a couple weeks, I guess. It's, it's pretty – if you've not seen it, um, this podcast may actually be the impetus for you to actually see it. I don't know what you thought about it. When you made the movie, my initial thought was, oh, <laughs> this, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a giant cinematic homage to himself. I really thought that, which is kind of a crappy thing. And I actually told him that. <laughs> but, but anyway, it's not like that at all. I, I think it had the risk to be that, but it's not. In fact, this documentary is not about Sidney Decker at all. It's about the new view. It's about safety differently. It's about safety in organizations that see workers not as the problem to be fixed, but as the solution to be gathered and enjoyed and honored and actually leveraged in order to create stability. It's a great video. And that's exactly what today's podcast is about. It's If I could say anything, if I could summarize anything, it's a podcast about hope, and it's uh, it's 28 minutes long. It's, it's worth watching. If you haven't seen it, see it. If not, 
sit, sit back and relax because um, we're going to talk about it. In fact, let, let me not stall any more time. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Pre-Accident Podcast for this week. It's me and my friend Sidney Decker, and we're going to talk about his movie, his documentary that came out just this month called Safety Differently. The question that I'm dying to ask you, because I'm dying, so I've seen the, the film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's the perfect size. I mean, it fits perfectly into a busy person's schedule, so that's no problem. Why a film? What, what on earth would make you think, wow, I want to become a media mogul. I want to go from books to cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the question, Todd. Well, becoming a media mogul has, has never been on the uh, on the agenda at all. And I don't think that, uh, that uh, crowdfunding a movie like this and then burning through all the money like there's no tomorrow and then putting it out for free on YouTube is, is basically the recipe. Yeah, that's a bad way to make a, money. I'll, I'll grant you abs- that. You'll never get rich abs- doing that for sure. No, no, no. But you know, as as a university professor who um, who um, who is more eager to share ideas and 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 and, and talk with people, uh, I I don't think I've got a, a ultimately a good money making model to begin with. So this probably just fits in, in the same list. But um, but why a movie? So there are really two uh, two uh, drivers that that um, um, or two triggers. Let me put it that way. The first one was. Um, um, so Dave Woods, right, my my old advisor from uh, from uh, Ohio State, uh, when I got my PhD there in the uh, in the early nineties, um, not long ago, he uh, he was uh, it was sort of ventilating to me, saying, "Oh, I said nobody reads anything anymore," <laughs> and for someone who writes a lot of books, that's kind of an unsettling message, right? <laughs> and. Uh, so, so that started me thinking, and of course you look around, you go, there's there's lots of other media to get ideas across, and um, it's very difficult to ex- to uh, expect people to uh, sit down with a book of yours and um, you know while away their evenings, um, flipping page after page, just engaging with the message. In fact, whenever anybody does that, I, I find that a, a, almost a ridiculous privilege. Is it? Oh wow, you're spending that much time with my ideas with every sentence. Right. Which I do spend time crafting and working hard on. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it may be worth it, but still. Um, so I started realizing that we perhaps should engage in a complementary, uh, not only alternative, but let's, let's only do films, but in a complementary way of trying to get some of the message across. Um, so that was one trigger that sort of planted a seed. But then um, and, and here's the funny part of the story. So I was um, uh, I was holding on to a, a pretty old iPhone um, that was by now about seven years old, and um, uh, it uh, it came from another country, and and uh, I was still nursing it through uh, through its its relative use here where I live now. Um, and um, I used it as a phone because that's what it is to me. It's a phone. It's an iPhone to use as a phone. And so I, increasingly I had become the butt of my kids' jokes, right? And so they all turned teenagers during this time and they looked, looked at their dad going, good God, you're such a Luddite, right, with this, with this old phone. And, um, and so finally um, uh, I, yeah, I decided to, um, just to keep the brain alive, I, I decided to uh, to wanted to learn Chinese as, a, as, a, as a yet another language because most of the languages I speak are European and um, and kind of uh, uh, well irrelevant to to what what matters in the world right now so um, 
the um, so I wanted to learn Chinese, and the Chinese teacher said, "Ah, but you need you need to have this app uh, in order to learn Chinese." And I, I look at her and go, the "App? I don't know. I, this is a phone. I don't know apps." And so I go back to my kids and I say, "I have a, I have a dilemma." And so so they they couldn't stop laughing, and then they took me to the store, and my kids essentially bought me a new phone. I mean, on my money, um, but they they got the phone, and so. Um, and and I said I don't want to know. Just transfer everything and just make. And and of course they looked. Transfer everything, Dad. There's hardly anything on your phone. I mean, what is that to transfer? Like, anyway, but so they 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 got this phone, and I got this new phone, and then I'm flying on a Qantas flight uh, down to some other city here, and um, um, Qantas has got this streaming service on on, and I'm going. Oh, I've got this new phone, and let me. And so the first app that I put on there was this streaming thing for Qantas, and. Um, and would you believe that the first film that I click on is a documentary from France about the changing nature of work and about the need to consider autonomy on the work floor as a very important um, uh, component for, for good ideas, for innovation, uh, for participation, for empowerment, and all of that. And I'm going, yeah, that, that resonates. That makes very good sense. This is actually a really neat movie, and and there's some really powerful messages in there. And what a wonderful way to try to portray this in a documentary. And so, I land from that flight, um, and I'm going, oh my god, I've got the, I've got this idea. We got we have to make a movie. We have to. And so immediately, I try to get onto um, the the uh, some of the university accounts that that I have, the various research accounts, and what is in there? How, how much do I have? You know, I mean, if you want to make a good documentary, I didn't know this. You, you know, it's like 70k or something. Right? I mean, it's it's pretty expensive. And so, um, uh, decided that I didn't have that. Went around with a hat uh, among uh, some of the, uh, the, the the parties that we collaborate with in industry. And um, so finally, I, I, I came to uh, to the sum necessary to fund the movie. Um, and then. And so those were only really the triggers, even though interesting ones. I think the real motivation behind it, Todd, is, is we got great stories to tell. And I was proud to share them. And do you think, uh, using kind of Marshall McLuhan's idea, if you'll allow me to sort of go down this empirical alley for a moment, that the medium <laughs> is the message, is by, uh -huh. is by changing up the medium, moving away from sort of uh, lectures, presentations, books, the stuff we all do, training, the stuff we all do, to this more, this more contemporary, this filmic um, way to talk about this. What do you see as the impact of that? Ah, it's a very good question because I had to go through a significant mind shift to make myself comfortable with that. Um, the particularly the shift from letting other from from sorry from me laying out so this is what safety differently is and this is how it looks and here's the you know this is the ideology behind it and this is the empirical data that suggests we should be moving in that direction and so I was dying I was dying to to sit on that film and 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 pontificate right get on the soapbox and do my thing right and and they never allowed me the producers and directors never allowed me I. I in substance, I felt incredibly frustrated after. Uh, so they filmed uh, me for a whole day, right, um, with with explaining all kinds of things, but it was never the coherent format of a lecture. Um, and it wasn't until I began to understand that it's not my voice that counts; it's the voices of the people who do this stuff. That's what counts. And that's we need to let them speak. That's what's so amazing about the movie is it, it's not the Sidney Decker movie. No, it really is the exactly. Safety Differently movie. It's really a movie about a. <laughs> 
a drilling and completion rig, a grocery store, and a hospital. And Great. and the stories they tell and the discoveries they had, the enlightenment, the 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 growth they experienced. And in many ways you're quite secondary to the film and, and it's it's <laughs> yeah. quite interesting. I mean it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's quite amazing. Now, I, I, and so, so it was good for me to have to check my ego at the door uh, of this one. <laughs> well, so, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's well, you know, that's never a, that's always a good thing. But, but oh, to yeah. me, what I think is so interesting is that it it allowed a space for this this kind of rich narrative um, with visual impact to to mm. formulate to really not support ideas but actually present ideas. And I and I I thought that was quite remarkable. Was that the intent? You think? No. Well, interesting, interesting, interesting. Now, I always thought that the examples would be subsidiary to the message and that the message would be mine, um, that I would do the pontificating and then we'd, we'd cut to the examples and go, well, here's what they implemented, right? And then back to me, okay, you know, and then back to an example. Uh, and that's not at all how it works in cinematography. That's not at all how it works in modern documentary making where you don't have a a narrator's voice driving the driving the plot forward, right? Um, and um, uh, the the way in which this was edited uh, to me was a, a revelation. Todd, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the three instances a little bit more in a minute, if you don't mind, because there's some really cool things in there that I think we need to highlight. But um, just the editing of this, um, I was told, and some and perhaps many of your listeners will go, "Yeah, oh, that's pretty intuitive, Decker." I mean, what world have you been living in, right? But I was told that the editor is the first viewer. And if it doesn't work with the first viewer, it's not going to work. And so, um, interestingly, the directors uh, and producers were not involved in the editing. Um, and well, I mean, not involved, not involved, but but not with the actually. I mean, they weren't in the cutting room. They weren't looking on the floor of the cutting room, going, "Well, hang on, that's a good bit you just cut out. Why is that not in the film?" Um, the editors are in when you want to do this well, given immense freedom um, to build it up from the ground up. And so what was really interesting and incredibly frustrating initially was that the editor didn't want to listen to me at all. I had no idea about safety differently, had no idea about the the overall thrust of the message, the story, the where the editor team, the editing team started was with the raw footage. And so they started looking at what the hospital people were telling them. They started looking at what the um, the drilling and completions guys were telling them. They started looking at what the, uh, the supermarket guys were telling them. And they went, hang on, there's a bunch of red threads here. There's some really, really interesting stories of these people. And then they started, they started sewing it together and stitching it all together and coming up with these storylines. And when they showed me the first cut, um, I mean, it was rough, rough around the edges. There was a whole bunch of things that we had to, you know, reorder and think about a little bit more. But I was amazed by the consistency of messages produced by stories from the ground up. And it it humbled me in many ways. I'm going, wow, if you leave people, I mean, in some sense, it was a replication of the message that I would have anyway. But if you want to give if you give people that autonomy, the autonomy within a within a frame of some expectations, why don't you tell your story about this and this and this? And within that frame, you give them that autonomy, you give them the empowerment, you give them the the inspiration to 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 say it how they see it and what they have done to improve. 
you get amazing stories and they fit together really nicely. And so that to me was one of the most powerful revelations of the whole thing. So in the interest of total honesty, you should know that in grad school, I was a film critic for the university paper. So I have two more questions. One is, what do you see as the main character or characters in this film? Um, good, good. That's a very good question. Um, let me answer that twice. Uh, the first one in a totally wacky way, because uh, so I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Um, Lord, Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. How did Lord you not see that? I'm, too, I'm writing books. I'm too busy. I'm a father of three children. My wife is an academic. You know, there's other things in my life I need to do. <laughs> so You sit on um, planes. You sit on planes a lot. That's where movies are shown. Oh, this is true. This is, <laughs> I, I, but then on planes, I write columns and, and other things. So, <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. Fair uh, yeah, enough. So, I interrupted. Um, fair enough. No, 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 no. But, but this is a very apt question. Um, so in, in one meeting with the producer and, and the editor, um, uh, they were – laying out how the film is actually laid out as, as Frodo's journey. And I'm going, what, Fro who's Frodo? What's Frodo's journey, right? <laughs> and, then, and then, so, and then they, they actually paid it up that Frodo walking through this safety different landscape, right? And running into the obstacles and protecting whatever it needed to be protected and fighting off whatever needed to be fought off and um, going through the seven stages of hell, or that's a different story. But, and then finally emerging, you know, somehow victorious yet not entirely unscathed. And so um, the, um, that was the narrative arc that they, that they Im not imposed, but what were inspired by. Uh, it, when they were stitching together the uh, the footage of this film, um, and I had to take their word for it because I have never seen Frodo on that journey. So, um, but they had, and so I think the first answer to your question is the main character is Frodo. <laughs> oh no, he's not there. Right. The second answer to the question is um, there are multiple people who are the main characters. Um, I think Jamie from Drilling and Completions. I think uh, Taylor from the grocery store. Uh, I think Dylan from uh, from the hospital. Um, those are the people who carry the narrative. Those are the people who drive the message. Those are the inspirators and the uh, inspirers uh, uh, from the ground up. Um, they they make things happen locally. I I am entirely secondary and subsidiary to them in telling the story. It's quite remarkable. And ultimately, what's the message you think this movie delivers? Not the message you intended, but the message this movie delivers. Ah, that's an interesting question because I was immediately going to go off on the message I intend to tell through the movie. So, But you can find that in many places, so let's not do that. I think the message this movie sense is one of inspiration and hope um and particularly the message that actually guys this can be done this can be done you can be that drilling and completions company you can be that grocery store you can be that hospital right you don't have to submit and surrender to the notion that you are the victim of compliance and bureaucracy, that you have nothing to say in how stuff gets done, that all power is vested in the top of the hierarchy of your organization, because it isn't, right? It is that hope and that inspiration uh, that I think and hope uh, the movie uh, projects and portrays.
Talk to me about the, the, the things we should notice with the DNC, the drilling and completion people, the, the grocery store and the, and the hospital. Yeah. What, okay. Okay. What do you well, find and, interesting? And the, um, um, Okay, that's that's a good question. I don't want to give away uh, the, the 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 Frodo plot in this too much, obviously. But the um, uh, one of the things that that blew me away with the drilling and completions was was simply the courage to um, uh, to change radically some things internally. Those guys um, reduced the size of their safety management system by ninety percent, nine zero percent. Right. And so they slimmed it down. And when they started doing that, they found all kinds of crud in it that didn't even belong there. But, you know, there's so many cooks in the SMS kitchen um, that you end up with insurance stuff and training stuff and instructional stuff and liability stuff. And it has nothing to do anymore with managing safety. Uh, and so they succeeded in doing that. Um, and then um, the, um, uh, the, the other remarkable thing about them was uh, – they made, I think, a, one of the most concrete shifts in in becoming, or although the other two did as well, but making things field centric, and they call it that, right? Rather than having a centrally or headquarter located safety people, uh, they shrunk that organization from from scores down to two or something, um, and the rest is in the field because that's where it happens. And so you got to be operationally focused and operationally knowledgeable if you want to be a safety person in that business. And so that changed it dramatically. And so that I find inspiring. And and But it took that leadership and it took that courage that you will see play out uh, and also the uptake um, from the ground up and the openness to what comes from there in that film. Um, then the hospital. So, and, and this is not just a hospital. This is a healthcare system that spreads over this gigantic state. Um, and um, th what I find great is these guys also make their their training and their uh, operational responsibility for safety much more field centric, if that's a word to use. But rather than having it all locked up, locked up in headquarters in uh, in uh, in the capital city, um, they they fan out into the state and and uh, use, for example, simulation as a as a sense making and discovery tool uh, rather than getting people to come to the to the major city and uh, training them in a particular procedure in the simulation center. They go out and they take some of their kit with them um, and then they play and they play in the context of where it needs to work, which could be very different and differently resourced and different different operational assumptions and issues behind it. And so. Um, uh, rather than telling them what to do as they come into the major city, they actually go out and ask these people what they need, which to me is a very, very important, you know, safety differently message. And then finally, the supermarket, man, these guys is fantastic. Um, really old uh, 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 company uh, here, you know, 90 years in, in, in operations already. Uh, and these people have had a safety system that was incredibly top down. Um, and, uh, and and run from headquarters um, and very bureaucratic, uh, entirely not sensitive to what happens on the ground uh, in, in individual stores. And um, the um, as a result of uh, of our of our early consultations with them, uh, we were they're actually allowing us to do a randomized control trial, uh, so a a true experiment to test safety differently, which was fantastic. Um, I think, you know, as a scientist, one of the things with safety differently is, you know, it's really nice and it's a great idea and you can implement it and show success. But that's not not that's not evidence. It's it only really evidence if it's randomized and controlled. That is, if you've got other conditions where you have 
where you can compare and don't do the intervention of safety differently and see what the difference is. Well, in this case, the difference was amazing. You know, you gave these people freedom within a frame, autonomy to develop their own ideas about how to run safety in their store. And Todd, the, um, the results are remarkable. Um, they really are remarkable. And it's changed the safety conversation in the entire company. That's amazing. To, to me, I, I think one of the things that the, the documentary does is it opens up this message to a, a, a wider audience, maybe? Is that the word, a different audience? No, you shouldn't use different because we're talking about safety differently. It, it opens it up to a, to a larger audience, maybe, because it's, a, mm-hmm. it's attainable without asking the requirements of, of sort of shifting your paradigm from traditional safety to new safety. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a documentary. It's just watch it, see how it responds to you, see how you respond to it. And, and I think it's a great way to sort of lead conversations, to begin conversations. And I can see a role for it with, with leaders um, mm-hmm. at every level in the organization. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's really reinforcing to, to, um, to workers. So it's, it's a good, good job, I think. Thank you. Thank you. Well, one small addition to that, that wrap up, which is I've already been told by people who've watched it that it's not just applicable to safety. It's applicable to lots of things um, that are run bureaucratically and compliance driven in companies. And that's not just safety. Right. And that the message overall of giving people greater autonomy is, you know, seeing them as the problem solvers rather than the problems to solve. Um, Asking them what they need rather than telling them what to do. and not always hunting for negatives and violations and things like that to see how you're doing, but actually understanding what makes things work and how people get your stuff done and where success comes from. I think that's a message that irradiates way beyond safety. And, and it's easy to get, right? You can just go to YouTube and Google your name, safety differently. I mean, how do people go to it? The easiest is uh, go to my website, sydneydecker.com, and then... Uh, Click on safety differently. It's the middle and box of the bottom three, right? There it is. I, I, yeah, I, I exactly. Noticed, I noticed that. And, it, and it's that people can use it as they see fit, right? They can show it in their companies. It's fine. You're 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 wide open with how they use. Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, no, yeah. That's a very good question to ask. And the answer is yes. Uh, it is entirely free to use. It has no copyright restrictions whatsoever because it's all paid for. Um, all the uh, messages have been approved, uh, and I say that facetiously, but I mean it. That is, uh, we have run everything that we uh, that we uh, that ended up in the final edit uh, with with the the people responsible in the companies from which it comes, and so uh, they're all cool with it, which actually is quite powerful because sometimes you, know, you listen to some of the things and there you go wow uh, it takes courage for a ceo to say yeah that's that's cool that's cool to show <laughs> it really it yeah really i does. agree i agree there's a lot yeah. of stuff in there so w- what else is on your docket anything good coming up you coming you coming our way soon or you got any travels anything exciting tattoos uh, any big, big plans <laughs> piercings no no piercings or tattoos uh but uh, um yeah travels always always more of that uh, yeah i am actually um but it'll be really short this time um what i really look forward to is, is of course uh, is another tour with uh, a tour with todd um but that's that's not going to happen yet uh but on the 13th of november i will be uh, back in san ramon 
um, for those who were there with us last time, Todster, what um, you probably recall that what we talked about in the very beginning, well, actually halfway in the day, was that we weren't going to get to the issue of just culture and a learning responses to uh, to failure. We we really needed that data set up for the safety differently conversation first, and then I sort of made this promise um, at my own peril that you know I'd have to come back and uh, and backfill that with another day of doing just culture. And so um, I'm I'm living up to that promise now uh, to coming uh, to San, San Ramon. Uh, conference center 13th of November, which is a Monday, uh, to run through uh, the ideas of restorative just culture with um, with the people who were there earlier. But anybody wants to come from any particular industry, doesn't matter. We, I am very happy to see all of you, um, and to to run through those ideas uh, of of how to create a just culture that actually in, encourages learning, encourages healing, encourages. Uh, uh, forgiveness and, and forward-looking accountability rather than blame and backward-looking accountability. Nice, nice. Thanks for your time, man. It's always my pleasure. To you. Always. Any, you. any last Thank words of wisdom or advice you want to give everybody? Um, is uh, <laughs> <laughs> do things differently. Have oh, the courage. Go. Keep the faith. Um, you only live once, as far as I know, and so make a difference now. Make a difference now. Have hope. Have hope. Indeed. Thank you. Wasn't that a nice little talk? What'd you think? It's always fun to talk to Sydney, and he's got a couple more podcasts he wants to do. In fact, he wanted to do everything at once, but I said, no, 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 no. The the documentary is deserved enough for its own podcast, so we stayed with that one podcast. But what'd you think? To me, the... Uh, and I don't ever want to tell you what to think. That's not my job at all. But to me, the impression I left with is when I ask him, you know, what is, what's the central message of the documentary? Not what was the message you wanted people to hear, because that's the easy answer. What's the central message that he heard? And to me, when he said hope, that, uh, that was pretty good. That was, that was pretty darn good. That actually was really good. And I think that's a pretty good place to stop. Thanks for listening. Um, tell your friends, write a review, uh, write a good review, please. Uh, but it seems to help a lot. Subscribe, do all the normal stuff you do for a podcast. Until then, I can't wait to talk to you again. I hope you get what you need. That's important to me. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Learn something new every single day. Bet you did today. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe and have hope.